0: We assume that uh, in this training session, you will know Sources of Finance, Lesser and the Lessie, the relationship, and the aircraft lease cycle. We would be asking these questions uh, that would be, what is a lease? Why lease? When does lease begin? When does the lease end? And to whom is the lease for? How to select an aircraft? and what will be in a lease process. So uh, in, in a nutshell, I will be able to uh, give the answers to all this. It's a lease. When we look at uh, the lease, this is the definition that's given in uh, Cape Town Convention and other uh, the uh, uh, accepted law statements. Uh, it's a contractual obligation between a lessee and a lesser. It's an obligation. It is a contract between them, and when we say it is a contract, what does that contract provide? It provides the lessee the right to use the aircraft, which means when the lesser is leased the aircraft to a lessee, lessee has commercial control of the aircraft without owning it. It all depends on the type of lease, whether it's financial lease or operating lease. Assuming that the aircraft is an operating lease, so the lessee will have a commercial control of the aircraft over. Uh yeah, in lieu of uh, the rent that he pays. So it is a right to use the aircraft for a specific period of time. When we say period of time, it is a lease term. So is it a three-year lease, five-year lease, six-year lease, ten-year lease, twelve-year lease? It all depends on the type of lease and the lease, you know, the term. So that needs to be specified. So you have been using the as a lessee, you'll be using the aircraft. For a period of time, but what do you need to do, you need to pay to the lessor some rent, the periodic rent you need to pay. Again, it depends on the type of a lessee. If you're the government-owned entity, they may not pay; they may not be paying the rent at all. They will have only uh, at the towards the end some adjustment. Uh, in general, the lessee will have to pay a rent to the lessor, uh, who is nothing but the owner of the asset. This what is the lease process going to be so that is being established by a lease agreement which is the contractual obligation where lessee will have the commercial control and for a definite period of time and against which the lessee will have to pay periodic payment of rent to the lesser this is what is the lease is going to be okay when we say lease as i said from the perspective of a lesser when you look at it Leasing is a cash flow management. If you are into a trading business, if you are into a leasing business, your idea is to how much money you will get, how much cash flow you will get it. So upon your investment, how much is the return? So that is the cash flow and the cash flow in the sense, you need to get it periodically, not only towards the end of the lease. If you're getting it periodically, then you have a cash flow. So this cash flow is the uh, the fundamental concept of uh, leasing. How are you going to manage it and how best you can derive the returns from. So, this is the uh, the understanding. So, the lesser would be looking at how will he manage the lease rent from the lessee okay and between one lessee to another lessee when the aircraft is being in transition or the lessee is not able to return the aircraft at the end of the lease due to certain issues. So then the aircraft is an off-lease time, okay? If it's not using it, and if it is moving from one lessee to another lessee, there is an off-lease time where aircraft will be lying idle. It is just like a house which is lying idle without giving it for rent. So the idea of the cash flow management is to minimize this off-lease time. And the third point, when we look at it, We are trying to minimize how can we get the better cash flow. The cash flow you can get it better if you have a standardized uh, aircraft configuration made available uh, to a lessee. What the lessee does later on, it is a different perspective, but uh, the lesser would provide the aircraft with uh, 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 refurbishment and configuration of the aircraft and how much it is standardized. Why standardization mean is... The less, lesser would provide the aircraft to different lesses. All lessies will may have a different, uh, you know, requirements of the aircraft configuration. Moment you provide the base and standardized configuration, they will be able to modify it at a lesser price. So, and the more uh, the lesses will be attracted more towards standardized product. For example, the triple. Seven. So how do we minimize this exposure to further maintenance? This is another area where leasing would, uh, you know, come in. And uh, whenever you are leasing an aircraft, the lesser would always think in terms of its value retention. So the value retention will come in only if the lesser has returned the aircraft with, you know, a proper maintenance so that others can use the aircraft. Uh, other lesses can take the aircraft. So the strong return lease conditions are the prerequisite when you think of cash flow management. So these are the concepts that are built into the leasing. Uh, now, to bring into a, uh, your mind, I think I gave you the handout of this, or I asked you to download the same. Uh, this is the kind of a lease process in a nutshell. Within the lease process, where exactly? The lease transition happens. Lease transactions happen, not transition transaction happen. So, where, where does this happen exactly? So, let us see the you know the whole process flow in the uh, lease uh, uh, activity, leasing activity. So, here we have an airline and a lessee. I will be going through this so that you understand and uh, you know uh, get an idea what's happening and what is going to be coming in the process. The airline and the lessee, will be thinking about uh, the which aircraft to be you know, uh, acquired on lease and uh, what is the type of aircraft and the you know, configuration. So that they will be thinking about it. And that is the fleet planning and aircraft selection. If you are going to operate on a Wudan scheme, uh, which is you know, operative in, in India, Wudan scheme definitely trying to connect uh, you know, uh, tire two metros to a major metro, possibly. So when you're operating in tier two cities, say some uh, say uh, Pune to Aurangabad, for example, if you're all located in uh, Mumbai region, say uh, uh, say Belgam to Hubli, there is another uh, entire two cities. If you're operating in these regions, the type of aircraft that you are going to select will not be a wide body. Even you will have to think whether to uh, look for a narrow body. People generally go for a turboprop like an ATR aircraft or they go for an, you know, an Embraer, uh, such type of aircraft they might choose. So this is where the aircraft selection would come in. What is your business perspective, business goal, business objective, and what do you intend to operate? So it's all going to be from the airline and perspective. The second point from the lesser perspective, how are they going to fund the aircraft for the purchase? So what kind of deals they're going to make? Will they place a bulk order to the manufacturer so that they can negotiate on the price? And what kind of fundings they expect from the financial institutions or the trust or the entities for the aircraft purchase deals? So this is the background that will happen from the lesser and the lessee perspective. Moment, the lesser is ready with the aircraft and airline, the lessee has the intent of uh, the uh, leasing the aircraft so then they come across a, a you know, table to table interaction across the table, it could happen. So that is the intent to lease the aircraft for a uh, defined lease term. If the lease term is bigger, definitely it is going to be a financial lease. If the lease term is smaller, it's going to be an operating lease. So maybe I think you already have a background on operating lease and a financial lease. So the lesser and the lessee will come to a common uh, discussion table where they will talk about the lease. Now, once they are onto the discussion table, what happens is that they need to prepare for the lease. So this is where your lease transactions will begin from. Okay, this is the area where it begins from. Okay. So when I say lease transaction, some amount you know it-, it could be exchange of the records. It could be exchange of the document, it could be, you know, the allowing the inspections to happen, kind of, uh, you know, uh, deposit money, they would ask for further negotiation. So all that would be, you know, beginning from this uh, point onwards, which is the preparation towards the lease. What happens in the preparation? Lessers will definitely will have to evaluate the lessee with respect to, you know, this is nothing but a risk assessment of the, you know, with respect to a lessee. Whether if the lessers lease the aircraft to a lessee, what will happen? Are they financially stable, technically sound? And what are the jurisdictional issues? Suppose if you have leased the aircraft currently in Afghanistan, what would have happened now? So will you take back the aircraft from Afghanistan currently in this scenario? So is it going to happen that way? So the jurisdictional issues will also be coming up. So the lessers will have to evaluate the lessee on the basis of these three parameters, minimum. There are other things to look at it, but this is general focal points where uh, the lesser would evaluate the lessee. Then the lesser would have to help the lessee in terms of deal structuring. What kind of financing can be done? Okay, From where you can get the funding from? In, be- in which way and the best way you can get the deal done? So lessers will probably help in deal structuring. This is not a deal restructuring. This is deal structuring. Deal restructuring will come in only when the airline is in distress. So we are talking about deal structuring at this moment. So lesser would help the lessee. Even Acumen does this deal structuring. So this is where uh, the lesser would be helping the lessee. And once they have uh, come to a common and, you know the terms of understanding. Yes, they have a positive intent of uh, leasing the aircraft. But then, on a rough note, they will prepare a letter of intent. So, LOI or memorandum, memorandum of understanding (MOU) will be signed. So that will be the letter of intent. So, the letter of intent will have a general uh, uh, the contents. You know what would be in the lease process what are the terms and conditions, what will be the rental, you know, it will be approximate where the negotiations would happen in the next step over the letter of intent, which is prepared by the lesser and the lessee. Okay. And uh, with certain inputs, the lease negotiation would begin In This is where the lease negotiation art or the science, whatever you call it as would coming into way. And once the lease negotiation has happened, the lessee will have to really evaluate the aircraft from, from the technical perspective and the records perspective. So they will be reaching the site and they would be uh, uh, looking at the aircraft physically. There'll be a physical inspection, there'll be a test flight, and there'll be a records verification, components installed, everything will be checked by the lessee, uh, uh, the aircraft which is owned by the Lesser. Then there will be a lease agreement that would be signed. This is a final document where they will have to have a contract. This is the contractual lease obligation and uh, that the lesser and the lessee will have to follow. And the securities and the initial payment would be done. And further to it, uh, the aircraft delivery would happen and the place of delivery with what records. And there will be a final acceptance and exchange of records will happen. So this is where now currently the lessee is in the position of the aircraft. But the transaction did not end here. It continues further in the sense that the aircraft is going to be uh, used and uh, the lessee has the right to use the aircraft. But though the lessee has the aircraft, the lesser cannot keep quiet just like that. They have to do a monitoring of the aircraft asset whether they are keeping it in the required conditions or not, there'll be periodical inspections without intervening their operations. So this would happen and uh, with a periodical inspections like a midterm lease inspections or annual inspections uh, will be done by the lesser during the lease term. They will also do the monitoring of not only of the asset, even the lessee, whether they are in a financial distress or not, so all that needs to be evaluated. Again, this is the process where the technically they are looking at uh, the transaction then comes to the payment of uh, rent and the maintenance reserves by the lessee. I do not know how many have you have an idea of what is called as maintenance reserves. Uh, so this will be uh, uh, the payment, regular payment would happen. And this is also kind of a transaction that is going on between the lesser and the lessee. Uh, okay. Uh, then there will be a, at the towards the end of the lease there would be a pre delivery re delivery and re delivery just a minute sorry so uh, so there will be towards the end of the lease term there will be pre re delivery inspections that of the aircraft and of the records. And finally, re-delivery will happen as per the lease return conditions. This is what happens towards the end of the lease. Once the lease term ends, the lessee will ask for the maintenance reserves which he has paid it prior regularly to a lesser. So how much of that can be claimed against the maintenance? So that will also be a part of the lease transaction. and. Uh, there are possibilities that uh, they may having multiple aircraft at the maintenance reserves at times can also be adjusted okay, towards the end of the lease. Certain other uh, deposits or the security instruments can also be adjusted. So that would be happening towards the end of the lease. That is EOL adjustment. Once the, all this is being done, there will be a return acceptance certificate that would be provided. And uh, the lesser... Uh, will accept the aircraft and the lessee is free from this contractual obligation as per the period. So you know what's happening over here, uh, that is the uh, the preparation and the lease transaction. So lease transaction, not only tech, um, financial, it is also technical. The technical would include the physical ins- aircraft plus the records. So all that would be a part of uh, the whole story, if it runs smoothly, everything. Okay. In a nutshell, further uh, to emphasize what we just discussed, we have a lesser, we have a lessee. The aircraft is uh, given to a lessee on the basis of a contractual, uh, you know, the lease agreement. This is the beginning of the lease, which is known as a delivery phase. So, in the delivery phase, there will be some transactions, movement of the aircraft, records in finance. And the lessee will return the aircraft to a the towards the end of the lease, that is EOL. And that is nothing but a re-delivery. Re-delivery phase, this is the delivery phase. So, the lessee will return the aircraft. But before, you know, taking this, uh, there is a lease term. What is this lease term here? So, depending upon the contract, what type of periodicity they have chosen uh, is it a six year, or 12 year, or three year, or eight year, or whatever the term that they have chosen? So, within that as well, you will find certain activities. So, this is kind of an aircraft lease cycle from delivery to re delivery, and it passes through a lease term. We will look more into it. When you are going to pay, take the aircraft that is a delivery, the lessee will take the aircraft uh, uh, as a delivery point, there exists a lease agreement. So between the lessor and the lessee, there exists a lease agreement, which is a contractual obligation. Whenever this lease cycle ends or towards the end, there will be some issues that are likely to come up. The lessee may have not understood the lease agreement properly or interpreted properly where lesser points out that we did tell you about this. So there is going to be a kind of a disagreement that happens either from the lesser side or from the lesser side. It is going to be painful from the lessee side because he's going to be he is obligated by the contract lease contract. Then they will go into a court. When it goes to a court, what happens is the lessee and the lesser both would be suffering because in case whoever wins it, uh, they will be you know, uh, gaining a lot. Those who are going to lose it, they'll be losing a lot. So the arbitrator you know, or the court will, will have to intervene because either the parties will go for obviously for the court solution. So it all depends whether uh, the country has the laws supporting to the Cape Town Convention, what is being built into the lease agreement. So it all depends on that. So there are likely to be a disagreement that is going to happen. So it is very important, imperative to say here that the lease negotiation should happen properly. If not, there is going to be a disagreement. And disagreement would happen definitely. It is going to be very painful ex- uh, you know, exercise for the lesser because the lesser cannot lease the aircraft to another, let during this period and there is going to be off lease time when the court and uh, they will have to suffer because there is no cash flow coming in now. So it's very important to have a proper contract and uh, make sure that the lessee does understand about it. Okay, now coming to the lease transaction steps, which begin from the uh, delivery to a re-delivery. So what happens here? Let us see one by one. Before we move on to the lease transaction, let us look at the lesser and the lessee perspective about the lease transaction. The lesser would look at uh, the cash flows, cash flows. So what is that cash flow and where does it come from? Okay, what is the purchase price of the aircraft? And if they have purchased the aircraft and what would be the lease rate or the rent they're going to look from? If they have purchased for say, uh, hundred uh, you know uh, k dollars more than that. Say five hundred crores an aircraft. What should be the rent? Say within the twenty years, so they should get the expected returns and uh, pro- profitable returns in terms of rent. So they are supposed to expect that. So the calculations will be involved to calculate the rental, uh, the lease rentals. Then they are also getting some amount of a uh, cash flow coming from maintenance reserves. So this will provide uh, an understanding to a less, uh, uh, the Lesser that uh, how much money they are going to get it in terms of maintenance reserves. In case of a future maintenance requirement, this corpus, the maintenance reserves, will come into the picture. The residual value of the aircraft will also be mat- you know, the, the most important matter for Lesser. And uh, in dealing this exercise, what are the transaction costs? okay, maybe the legal expenses could be a transaction cost. Movement of the aircraft could be a transaction cost. So there will be some uh, uh, the costs that are associated with the lease process, the transaction cost, how much is that? Then to minimize this, even the travel of the team, uh, of the technical or the financial or commercial or legal team, the travel, again, that would be coming under the transaction cost. And the stamp duties, the taxes will also be the transaction cost. So then they will have to do a technical due diligence of the lessee, whether they have got an air operator permit, do they have sufficient manpower and a trained manpower. So what is that? So that they will have to look at. The lessee will be looking at whether to lease the aircraft or purchase the aircraft straight away. And will they put it on an operating lease because that operating lease would provide a flexibility to op- a lessee. They don't have to shell out an upfront payment. When it comes to transfer of uh, residual value technology risk to the lesser at EOL, so they will be at ease because they don't have to worry about that. And uh, lessee also have a sale and a lease back as an option. They can buy the aircraft in large quantity. They can give it to the lesser and lease it back. So that would be a sale and lease back as an option. The lessee would also be having it. So this is the perspective of a lease transaction. So there are certain financial variables that impact lease transactions, which we just discussed, purchase price, lease rentals, maintenance reserve, residual value, and transaction cost. And uh, the lessee perspective, what would be the rent that they are going to pay for? And how much with the maintenance reserves they'll have to shell out along with the lease rent. What are the associated variable costs like fuel, uh, you know, the airport charges, you know, all that. And what is the market condition currently? So that also will play a major role. And will they have an understanding of the lease agreement? And uh, if they are not sure about it, so what happened to few airlines in the uh, past, you know, would... uh, Uh, I I think the airline would pay very heavily in case if they've not understood the lease agreement uh, properly. And uh, when it comes to re-delivery, they will have the real pain experiencing it. And they will have an enormous financial impact because the aircraft had to go for a major checks and engine overhaul. If that is a requirement, then it will be a huge financial impact coming up towards the end of the lease. So all that will have to be looked at by the lessee. Okay, I'll be taking on questions with a small uh, break once I complete this, uh, you know, uh, prior information, uh, prerequisite information here. So when it comes to the beginning of the lease, so there will be financial variables that we just looked at it. There will be financial transactions that would happen. Okay, it could be the letter of credits and the security deposits that they would take. And in the meanwhile, they will also do a technical due diligence of the lessee. The lesser will have to do it. Then the aircraft preliminary evaluation will be carried out by the lessee. In what condition the aircraft if, is, or is it a new aircraft, or it is a used aircraft. Then there will be a process of letter of intent being signed. Then the lessee will carry out a physical inspection and records inspection. Then you will have a lease agreement being signed, and the aircraft will be delivered to a lessee, and the acceptance will be taken up by the lessee, and the acceptance certificate will be provided by the lessee to the lessor. So this is always going to happen in a delivery phase. Now, uh, is when we say that the second step, technical due diligence, whether the operator is fit to take the aircraft on lease. This evaluation will have to be done by the lesser. So how how does that happen in a lease transaction? So the technical visit by the project manager or the team before, you know, aircraft is being leased, they will go and the lessee side they will inspect the maintenance facilities for the assets. And uh, they will look at and, you know, contact and discuss with the quality personnel and then there will be a technical management. The key people they will be interacting with, whether they are uh, having the requisite licenses and operational experience, or are they taking out operation, you know, the, uh, the maintenance uh, help from other organizations? Then there will be an awareness that would be created for a contractual requirements. Then the lesser will have to provide, uh, will have to take up a holistic approach to airline evaluation. Just say that I want this rent, they can't give. You need to have a holistic approach. Where is the lessee? What kind of environment they are in? So all that will have to be looked into. So what is that we will see? So within the lease term, there is going to be a periodical inspection that I just mentioned. The lease rent and MR payment would be carried out. And the risk assessment continuously will be done by the lesser about the lessee. Otherwise, their asset is at risk. This happens during the lease term phase. When it comes to return phase, the re-delivery phase, what is going to happen here? The lesser would do the aircraft and the records, uh, you know, preparation. And uh, this will be done by the lessee. Will be, you know, provided to a lesser. So the preparation activity would begin. And the uh, will have to prepare the binders of the records and they have to prepare the aircraft in an MRO environment for keeping the aircraft as per the re-delivery conditions. Then there will be return acceptance signed if everything goes as per the re-delivery conditions. And there could be EOL compensation, end of lease compensation, in case if they have done said there are three steps into the uh, lease negotiation process, a prospecting stage. MOU or the intent of the, of the letter that is the stage, second stage and definitive documentation stage. So this is where uh, you know you will understand the various stages in a lease negotiation process. Once the lease negotiation process ends, then comes into a lease agreement, which is being signed in one or last stage, and the aircraft is ready for lease. Okay, what is the prospecting stage here? As I said, this is a preliminary stage. Needs of the lessee will have to be understood by the lesser, what type of aircraft new or used. And the lesser will also have to understand what kind of portfolio management currently he is having. Portfolio in the sense, what type of array of aircraft, which type they're having currently, and uh, what is the combination? Whether that combination, you know, it suits the lessee in a particular zone. Suppose if they are purely low-cost operator, the low-cost operator may not be intending to have an aircraft configured with a business class. They will only be looking for uh, the uh, a single, you know, class type, which is economy class. So the portfolio what they have, they will have to you know uh, allocate the proper aircraft type and uh, to the lessee. So that would be, you know, being discussed in a prospecting stage. And then, then they will come across the table to discuss more about it. Initially, they are trying to choose the aircraft type, new or old, and what is there in the position of the lesser that they will discuss. This is what we have. Would you like to go for discussion? Okay, the lessee says, this is what I need. I'm ready with, okay, to go in for a used aircraft. So. Uh, this is the, uh, uh, you know, preliminary uh, discussions will happen and then come to a negotiating table there where they will discuss more about the aircraft. They will look at what is the kind of interior configuration they have. Not only the uh, cabin configuration, they will also look at what kind of computers, the antennas, whether the aircraft is provided with the USB charging device, okay, across every seat. If that is the case, more electrical power will be consumed and more fuel cost. So, uh, do they want to have that? Does it build with uh, you know in, in flight entertainment across every seat? You will find uh, television screens, uh, small monitors where they can uh, you know uh, beam the uh, types of videos and uh, the games. So, what type of interior configuration? Even the antenna, satellite antenna, for example, you can make a call even in flight. So is that uh, is that aircraft configured with that? That will be under high dollar value avionics in the aircraft satellite antenna. Okay. Now what is the engine type? Engine type in the sense, if you have a A320, there are multiple engine options. If it is uh, 737 uh, uh, next to generation aircraft, you have only one type of engine engine options. You may not have. Even in the engine type, what is the current? Configuration of the engine in terms of the when was the last maintenance happened, what is the status of life limited parts? So I don't know how many of you are uh, aware of life limited parts. The engines will have certain uh, components, the part of the core engine, wherein which upon certain period, period the components will have to be removed even if they are in good condition. So this is mandatory to remove the. Uh, LLPs after it's expiring. So they're very costly, basically. They're very costly. So what is the life of those LLPs? That will also be discussed under engine type. And takeoff weights. The aircraft is configured more of towards the cargo or more towards the passenger type. So the passenger-cargo combination people will have generally, but is it going to is it catering to more of a cargo, less of a passenger, or which type it is? It is called high gross weight and low gross weight. So, and that will be the combination takeoff weights and the thrust, engine thrust. So, even if you want to vary the engine thrust, which is the possibility, the range that the engine manufacturer has provided, what kind of thrust you are going to choose? If you're going to choose a higher thrust, engine will require a shop visit much early. Okay. Uh, because of the higher thrust rating that's being put in. And if you are trying to use for a multiple thrust rating, the LLP life limit will also be changing accordingly with the the different formula. So the remaining hours will have to be calculated. So what type of thrust you are going to operate for? And what is the current status of the aircraft with respect to maintenance requirements? When is the next major check is due for maintenance? So all that will have to be looked in. apart from that the dollar value of the avionics components i'm just referring to ife i'm just referring to the satellite antenna okay perfect this is in the prospecting stage and why is this required because the airline requirement and the aircraft configuration they want it to be very attractive so they will choose a particular seat color the galley the lab the carpet ife the lighting which is called as a mood lighting So aircraft library, no. So they will be looking at all this. That is because it is it affects their brand. When it comes to the operational perspective, whether they want the navigation systems, okay, what type of navigation system and even looking at the cat two cat three landing, uh, whether it is equipped with capable of. So all that uh, will be you know uh, have to be discussed and plus short field performance what is short field performance is the aircraft is heavily loaded and do you require a particular length of the runway or you can do a good takeoff with a short field itself with a shorter uh, runway lens so whether the aircraft is equipped with such sfp options short field performance options so again is it intending to work under cold weather you know, operations so that will also be a uh, you know requirement for customization. So the, uh, the customer uh, and the lesser would be getting a document about uh, the specification and what kind of combination it has got, what is the baseline configuration, uh, what type of uh, uh, you know the design it is, and what is being uh, customized to it. Could be supplier furnished equipment or buyer furnished equipment. So what kind of equipment you want the aircraft to have or to uh, as a baseline configuration. And what you want to add to it, that is the feature packages that will also be under aircraft customization. And the over the period, the manufacturer would also do a kind of a improvement in terms of airworthiness, direct service bulletins, and some performance improvements that will also be a part of this. And finally, you will have one final document which is the specification of the aircraft. So this is the spec, the aircraft that you have chosen. You want it to be, you know, the lesser wants it to be returned in the same configuration. Okay, that's the expectation. So you need to know what is mirror in, mirror out, uh, you know, a concept. Mirror in, mirror out. The way you look at the mirror, uh, you know, the aircraft looks like it's the same configuration they want it even after the re-delivery so mirror and mirror out uh, requirements so same spec you need to maintain the engine for example fitted on it same engine will have to be returned if that engine has lost its life due to incident or an accident so there could be a substituting engine maybe of maybe equivalent to that maybe of a higher you know uh, value of it so that needs to be installed so that will be again part of the lease agreement so you need to stick to the specification document. Okay. Now the next step, uh, we we just looked at the prospecting stage, number one. We will look at the, uh, the next stage, which is the memorandum of understanding or letter of intent stage. So what is letter of intent? Okay. This is just a kind of an acceptance that we are moving ahead towards the finalization of the lease. And let us uh, sort out certain uh, uh, issues and uh, what those issues would be. How much will be the rent? How much will be the cost? Uh, you know, what would happen? Can we negotiate on the cost? Can we negotiate on certain other elements? So can we negotiate on a re-delivery conditions? Re-delivery conditions that, one of that I can just tell you across, the aircraft will have to be returned to the lesser by the lessee towards the end of the lease where the aircraft need not go for major maintenance within 3,500 hours, for example. So, less than 3,500 hours, the aircraft should not be going for a shop visit. So, this will be the kind of, uh, you know, re-delivery condition that is being put across. So, the remaining hours on the... uh, the airframe or on the LLPs, they want it to be somewhere around 3,500, 3,000. So it all depends, 6,500 hours. So if it has to go for a major maintenance check, how many hours are left? How many cycles are left? So depending upon that, re delivery conditions will be built upon. Can they negotiate on that? Okay. So do you want the aircraft to fresh from the shop? So what are your expectations? Those things will be looked into. So this is the negotiating uh, happens and the letter of intent will be prepared. And uh, generally the expectations will be quite high and then they will be bringing it, narrowing it down to acceptable terms and conditions. So they will be looking at uh, the, uh, the agency and the type certification data Okay, is it from which MRO where the delivery would happen, and uh, AD compliance requirements, then the condition of the airframe, landing gear, APU engines, and the documentation you know related to it, the library, interior condition upholstery requirements, and the IFE and demonstration flight, who will fly and how long they will fly. So all that would be you know much more to it. This is a simpler one. So more of that would happen, in you know, a letter of intent. That will be written now. That will be written and they will be looking at that. But this is not a binding. There is no binding here. But yes, this is where uh, the positive intent has come from the lesser and the lessee to lease the aircraft. There only they start putting up the terms and conditions across using the term called as letter of intent. The document called as letter of intent. Now, so the letter of intent. Intent. Lessee perspective on uh, delivery conditions, and uh, so you can look at uh, the lessee perspective. Lesser delivers, lessee takes it. So the expectation here comes on uh, the uh, when was the last major maintenance happened, and uh, is there any requirement for major maintenance? So one of the expected condition with the uh, from the lessee, they will be looking at this moment I start using it, if it requires an engine shop, is it? So what do we do? So what is the current maintenance status on it? So that will be one of the, you know, expectation. And a lesser perspective, okay, you see here, lessee one returns the aircraft, lesser takes it, which is a re-delivery. This lesser now leases the aircraft back to another lesser, another lessee, which is nothing but a delivery. So, when he is taking from the lessee as a re-delivery, he is going to deliver it to another lessee. So this lessee will have to accept the conditions in which this lessee has returned the aircraft. Is it going to be agreeable? So the lesser will always you know, uh, work in such a way that this aircraft re-delivered by the lessee number one. Will be easily acceptable by the lessee number two. So this is how they are going to uh, term the conditions of re-delivery. So this lessee will accept LLP life limit remaining on the engine equal to three thousand cycles. So this is acceptable to the lessee. So similar conditions and expectations the lesser would keep it from the initial draft from the uh, you know when they are placing it for the lessee number one. So they are trying to match the requirement. So this. Uh, the process of moving from one lessee to another lessee is known as transition, aircraft transition, which is also known as a re delivery. But here, the aircraft is moving from one lessee to another lessee, we call it as a transition. So, uh, during the re delivery period, this lessee will also come in and try to see whether the conditions are being met with uh, in order to accept as per their uh, agreement. So, all uh, you know, the good, uh, heavily influenced, and uh, you know, uh, high-tempered environment you will find at the time of re-delivery. Very difficult re-delivery conditions to be exercised by the, you know, uh, to be met by the lessee. So it's very very difficult. Okay. Now uh, the uh, second last stage is uh, the documentation stage. It is the final stage of the lease negotiation process. There, they will execute the lease agreement. And once the lease agreement is executed, signed by both the parties, it becomes a legal binding. It is a legal binding, you can understand. It will also have a court. It will also have onto the international rules and regulations, uh, you know, supported by Cape Town Convention, ratification and signed by the contracting state, say India for that matter. So it all depends where the lessee is located. That is a contracting state, uh, a country, and it will, uh, the document will spell out in detail all the terms and conditions. And during the process, okay, the company would look, lesser and the lessee would look for the approvals and it will go into different draft stages. And and there will be further discussions about the draft. And then there will be a final signature that will happen onto the documentation uh, in terms of lease agreement. This is all going to happen in the final stage of the uh, lease negotiation. So you are now with aircraft on one side, aircraft and records on one side. On the other side, you have the lease agreement. Just a minute. All right. okay, aircraft moving, hovering around, helicopter hovering around, there is some background disturbance. Okay. Now, who are involved in the transaction of the lease? Uh, Lesser side and a lesser side, the titles may vary according to the type of company and their uh, uh, workout and we will have the marketing team. The aircraft configuration team, if there's a new aircraft, the technical team, the credit committee or the finance committee, and the legal and contracts uh, team will be there from the lesser side. From the lessee side, there'll be a fleet manager, or a CEO or the CFO, chief financial officers, and the maintenance personnel will need to be involved into it. There'll be a board that is constituted as the contractor. Okay, so. And finally, you will also be uh, taking the uh, some immediate help, uh, term help from the legal expert. They may not be having a legal expertise with them, but they may hire legal experts for drafting the contract. This is where the probably I would say the Kingfisher failed in order to understand the contract type. So it failed really at that area. And uh, uh, so the cost was very, very high. Okay, so it, it's, you know, this is, uh, though it is English literature, but it has got a lot of implications when it comes to lease agreement. Now, in a lease agreement, you have to look for these focal points, need to be focused upon very badly here. One is the financial terms and conditions, the technical. I'm just telling you about the aircraft configuration, the LOPA, the library the engine type, thrust rating, the cargo loads, and aircraft takeoff weights, okay? And the maintenance status of this, all these airframe engines and the landing gears, APU, and where exactly the aircraft is going to be operational from. The lessee is located in Dubai, and he wants to operate the aircraft in India. Is that acceptable? So what will be the jurisdictional uh, you know requirements? Which is the contracting state? Contracting state is in Dubai, where the aircraft is going to be operated is in india which means that the jurisdictional issues will crop up is it going to solve so later on if there is a default or insolvency how are they going to you know take the aircraft back repossess back so a lot of jurisdictional issues will be coming in in case if the lessee the defaults what what will happen now so what kind of legal provisions are available okay what are the uh, contracting state rules and regulation the court rules whether the, uh, no, the contracting state has uh, ratified and accepted and signed the Cape Town Convention or not. Whether, I don't know how many of you are aware of IDERA, so irrevocable de-export authorization. So is IDERA signed by the, uh, initially, do they have such agreement in place? And plus operational requirement. So operational requirements in the sense that multi-thrust operation is one. And... Uh, They're going to use it for, say, uh, the environment that, you know, where it is going to be, say, if it is going to be uh, uh, UAE, the Gulf sector, so the engines will have a lesser like because of hot environment. So how many hours they're going to operate projected, if they operate in excess of what is being projected, the rents may vary. So, and for the excess operation, they may take higher rent. So all that would be into the lease agreement uh, you know uh, uh, points that will have to be discussed so if you look at uh, typically uh, you'll be able to download the same uh, sample lease agreement at the end of the session you have an option to download and that will be triggering only after the end of the session so here you have uh, aircraft lease uh, document the contents of it the rental rate will be defined. The lease term will be defined. What kind of deposit they're going to provide will be talked about. The judicial risk associated will also be defined. The credit risk, what will happen and how that will be defined. Insurance, who is going to pay, what will be the premium, and who will be the party, and what will be the insurance level. Is it the Hull Insurance or the Whole Aircraft insurance? And uh, does that provide a quite enjoyment? What is quite enjoyment is? Uh, the airline will operate the aircraft without the intervention of the lesser. Lesser should not come and uh, say that you stop the flying now. They can't say that unless there is a default. The default condition will also be mentioned in the aircraft lease agreement. And uh, the hell or high water clause, irrespective whatever happened, the committed, uh, uh, commitment is the lessee will have to pay. So there is a high hell and high water clause. The aircraft re-delivery conditions, which is the key to the uh, lease agreement, will be spelt out. The What will be the aircraft specifications and the condition? What will be the re-delivery condition? That's a repeat. Uh, this is a delivery. This is re-delivery. At what conditions it was delivered? At what conditions will be re-delivered? And what are the maintenance covenants? Okay. Leads, covenants, associated with that. And maintenance reserves. So all will be a part of the lease agreement. So at the end of the session, we'll be able to download a sample lease agreement. So go through that and you will have all this data that will be mentioned in a document. That is a very simple lease document what is being given to you. Uh, go through that and even if you visit Ayata website, you will be able to download a LOI as well as lease agreement draft. So uh, that is free and you can download the same. Okay. Other technical provisions in a lease agreement would come in, in terms of AD cost to sharing. The AD will be expensive in certain cases. And if the AD is going to cost them uh, very heavily the operator, so what will happen? That's not what they were looking at in the beginning. So in case if the AD cost is going to be very high, there is a formula within the lease agreement, which they will have to use. If it goes beyond a threshold value, the cost will be shared by the lesser, okay? Because the AD is going to be permanent on the aircraft and it is going to be used by some other operator later on. So why this lessee will have to pay currently for this? So there'll be a cost-sharing agreement for airworthiness directives, which they're going to carry, carry out on the aircraft. Now, the lesser does not want the PMA parts. What are PMA parts? I don't know how many of you are aware what's PMA parts here. The aircraft uh, components are very expensive and Lesser wants the OEM manufactured components to be installed on the aircraft. But there was a kind of a discussion why we have to pay so much higher price for these components. Certain association okay, came forward and they they manufactured the components in a similar uh you know uh, requirements and the expectation they got the approval from the regulatory that they are fit to fly they are airworthy and it is equivalent to what manufactured by the oems but uh, such parts are called as pma parts which are less expensive you need to if you want to buy from a a oem but uh, the lesser does not want them to be on the aircraft though they are equally airworthy but uh, whether the next lessee will accept such PMA parts. In case if the engine, certain PMA parts are installed, the entire set of the PMA parts will have to be removed and the new ones will have to be installed because next lessee does not want the PMA parts. So the lease agreement will have to spell out clearly on the approval of for PMA parts. And the other one is sub-leasing and pooling of engines. Do they have the provisions of sublease? to another operator. So that will also be spelt out very clearly in the lease agreement. So these are the technical provisions. At the end of the lease, when it comes to an end, uh, there are possibilities for early termination if that option is chosen by the operator, which means that the lesser, they will not be happy. Lessie wants to keep the aircraft as much as possible with the... The lesser wants to keep the aircraft as much as possible with the lessee. So lesser does not want early termination of the contract so in case if the lessee does not want to fly that aircraft anymore is there an early termination option it happened with jet with respect to a330 we wanted to terminate the jet wanted to terminate the contract but that was not possible because the condition wasn't there in the lease agreement they have to continuously pay the rent and they were operating the jet was operating the aircraft to a330 and triple seven between mumbai and Delhi, between Chennai and Delhi, between Kolkata and Delhi which is very very expensive to operate such white body aircraft because moment you take off and land one cycle is consumed for the engine. So the engine life and engine payment will increase but they can't keep it on the ground because there is no early termination option that is available. They can't deploy the white body to some other uh, you know uh, place because they don't have enough market. So what do they do? If they fly, it is two crore loss. If they keep, it is one crore loss. So option will have to be chosen. So whether you keep it or fly, you are going to be under loss. It is better that we fly, okay? Or better that we keep it on the ground. So it depends on the decision that you need to take. And there are possibly to extend the lease term. So that option can be exercised. Or if it is a financial lease, for example, there is also an option to purchase the aircraft Because you don't have to put more money into taking another aircraft and repaint it reconfigure it and some transaction costs, pending costs, legal agreements. So, so many things will come in. It is better that they keep running the same aircraft further. So there are, uh, you know, purchase options are also available for the lessee. So these are the end of the lease options in the lease agreement spelt out. These are opt-in, opt-out, you know, conditions. You can choose them and based on that, the lease agreement will have to be signed. So coming to the uh, summary here, okay? And uh, before that, uh, I asked you a question. Lease negotiation is an art or science? So uh, we just saw the poll there. Uh, you know, a lot of calculations, uh, you know, the uh, opinion came in. Uh, many were accepting that was the science and an art. And few, I really appreciate those who had chosen Science or those who have chosen art, their conviction is very, very strong. So, irrespective whether the answer is correct or not, at this moment, I will put the lease negotiation is also an art apart from being it science. In which way it is science, in which way it is art. Okay. So, uh, we will look, we'll come to uh, this uh, the lease contract and lease negotiation process. What are the key elements in this before we move on to the uh, art or science. What is this actually in the lease contract and lease negotiation process? The key elements associated with that. So one of the key elements you look at is the sale and the lease back option, lease term, lease rentals, tax pack, okay, return conditions. And in case if there is a deviation of the return conditions, how will they compensate it? Security deposits, maintenance reserves and other risk mitigants and covenants. And uh, uh, now, do they have any restrictions on quiet enjoyment? Moment, the aircraft is leased. It is a. It is the perspective of the lessee, how they're going to operate it for. But they need to be monitored. That's a different story. But do they enjoy quite uh, quietly the usage of the aircraft? And uh, in case if they're not going to use it, then they may uh, sublease so subleasing is happening in which uh, jurisdiction is it a restricted one and uh, the ad compliance and the cost sharing okay and the applicable pma parts and uh, the specification changes to it uh, now is it being allowed so these are the key elements for renegotiation okay or in the lease uh, agreement negotiation time so coming to lease negotiation is an art or a science so, I will provide you some answer here. So, uh, before they start the lease negotiation, if they call it the art or a science, but they must think what is the must that uh, the lesser and lessee will look for. Okay, maybe the aircraft configuration. This is what is the requirement. Secondly, non-essential issues. Let us keep it out. So, why should we discuss about non-essential things now? And the bottom line position. This is where you know, uh, okay, I will provide a minimum of rent this much, maximum of rent this much, or they will say, only well, the minimum rent this much only is our capability, and this is going to be our, uh, you know, the banking requirements, and we will be financing it this this way. So these are the bottom line positions which the lessee will have to take. The seller will also will you know have to have their own position because the moment you are going for a lease agreement. Within 15 days, I need this much of money as security and the uh, in advance letter of credits. So there could be some bottom line positions which they will uh, look for before they begin to uh, go in for negotiation. So lesser perspective, perspective, uh, what is the deal price of the asset if they are buying it and what is the configuration? return conditions, asset and asset financeability, lessees financeability. So based on that, they're going to work out on economic returns. This will have to be calculated based on at what price they purchased, at what is the configuration and what would be the return conditions and will they, if they lease it to a lessee, will they return it back in the same configuration and what is their credibility. So all that would be looked at. They will also look at risk associated with the asset they have to estimate and they have to recover in advance quickly the you know the involvement of uh, or the you know projected risk associated with the lessee so if it is a, a startup airline they don't know the lessee at all they don't have any background they will only say that this is the bank balance and they may not have any operational experience in this. So they will have to weigh the options about the risk which is associated with the lease. So lease will be structured to include the mitigants, to the key risk which I'm talking about in terms of rental rate, maintenance reserves, financial covenants and security deposits. Okay, what will be the lessee and looks at? Lessee looks at on the lease rate, the terms and... Uh, uh, he wants to keep the flexibility as much as possible. So they want to keep such flexibility here and they want to minimize as many restrictions as possible and obligations as much as possible. So they will be looking at uh, these areas. This is on the lessee perspective. Based on this lessee and the lessee perspective, I'll move on to the whether the, it is an art or a science. Uh, friends, it's going to be a science and art, in which way it is science, in which way it is going to be an art. If I talk about AD cost sharing, the cost sharing cannot be an art. It has to be a science. It, it involves formulae. If you want to look at a lease rate uh, rental that they're going to you know get it from, again, it is going to be a calculation involvement. They cannot just throw away a price, they can uh, ask for a lease rent. They will have to have some strong financial calculations and at what price the aircraft was acquired and what rentals they're going to look at. What are the financing costs? They're going to pay interest on the borrowed cost and what are the re- return requirements in the business. So all that will have to be calculated mathematically and it is a science. So it is a science because it involves calculations. Exact estimates will have to be brought in. When the exact estimates are brought in, that will have some range. If the minimum lease rent is coming at, uh, say, $3,000 per 10 hours block or $300 per hour. $300 per hour is the minimum thing. So they can quote to the lessee, we want $450 per hour then comes to the negotiation, then it becomes an art. So it all depends on the type of lesser and the type of lessee, the kind of a transaction, the zone, the market dynamics, and what kind of uh, security uh, covenants they are trying to provide. So it all depends and that can be negotiated. Negotiating table, you know, will be dealt through an art. But the basic uh, foundation will be built by the calculation, so that would be the science. So this is where the art and science of the negotiation would come in. So uh, this is what uh, the uh, negotiation or the transactions would, you know, involve.